0: Terms and conditions apply. This is the Greg Peterson experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's our number three of the Greg Peterson experience right here on vsin the Sports Betting Network. It is officially Sunday all across the continental 48 states. That means it's a college basketball Sunday. So I'm gonna give you guys some picks, I'm gonna give you guys some analysis. On quite a few of these games that we have yet to hit. We wound up hitting a few games in the last hour. We're also going to be hitting upon some conference tournament futures as well. Because I always think that those are interesting to take a look at. As it stands right now. We are two weeks away from selection Sunday as well. It's hard to believe that it is coming up that quickly. So going to be giving you guys a little bit of something there. And then in the final segment. If you wound up missing the DK Nation pick that I've got in college basketball for Sunday Sunday. Wanted hitting it in the last hour. We're going to be hitting it once again. So if you want to miss it the first time around, I've got you covered there. But we've also got you covered with regards to this college basketball Sunday as well as we got a pair of games out there in the American that I think are really worth taking a look at that I've yet to. How about if we start 8:35, 8:36? Wichita State on the road facing off against Memphis. Memphis finds themselves between an 8.5 to a nine-point favorite, and your total on this game is anywhere between F and 141. This is a Memphis team that all of a sudden I'm starting to warm up on a little bit more. It certainly is not a team that I think that they're going to be able to live up to their preseason billing, in which a lot of people were saying that there was a chance in which you'd be able to get them in the second half or get them in the second weekend of the NCAA tournament or anything like that. But they certainly have been able to do a little bit of a better job here because they did have DeAndre Williams out of the fold. He was dealing with some injuries along Flanders Landers and Nolly. Nolly does a good job of being able to this team. Just not turn the ball over as much because that has been a big giant issue for this Memphis team. They're turning the ball over right around 16 and a half times per game. It's a big reason why you've seen them play quite a few unders, despite the fact that this is a team that they rank in the top 40 with regards to possessions per game. Then you take a look at Wichita State, and Wichita State is a very sound defensive team. With regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, this is a team that they rank in the top 35 in all of college basketball. They entered into Saturday, obviously. We saw a lot of action out there. Right around 32nd, they're a team that they do a solid job of being able to cut out the three-point arc. They rank in the top 75 with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage. And for Memphis, this is a team that, by and large, throughout the Penny Hardaway era, they've been able to do a solid job of be able to guard the three-point arc, and that's going to be very important because you do have a Wichita State team that they're not necessarily the best inside. You do have a guy in Ty ATN who has actually been better on the road with his three-point shooting than at home. Ty ATN On the road is averaging 18.8 points and shooting right around 38% for three-point range. At home, that actually falls right around 30% from distance. So I find that to be very intriguing. You do have a Memphis team that has really been able to get a little bit more offense-generated under Landers only as well. I think that's important to take a look at. And honestly, without Ivani Bates, this has been a team that has been a little bit more efficient in general when it comes to Wichita State. It's a team in which it's really taking a rebounding by committee sort of approach. Ricky Council, the third Maurice Oduzi, coupled with Dexter Dennis, all three of these guys give you between 5.2 and 5.8 rebounds per game. They're all guys that they do a solid job on the glass. None of these guys are necessarily elite. As a result, you've got a Wichita State team that they're in the the top half of all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate, but they're not necessarily a team that's prolific at being able to hold things in. They should have a collective about 75% percent free line. They do turn the ball over right around 13 times per game as well, though. And this is a Memphis team that, though they do give the ball away quite a bit, they do a good job of being able to get their own swipes as well. It's a Memphis bunch that, with regards to rebound rate, they rank at the top 40 in all of college basketball. I think that Jalen Duran is going to have himself a nice game in this one. Duran has been able to give you 11.5 points, 8 boards, 2.5 blocks per contest. You may recall that these two teams wound up poking up in early January. And in that game, you wound up having Memphis be able to go on the road. They got a double-digit win. They were able to get to 80 points in that one. I don't know if they're quite going to be able to get to 80 in this spot, but I do feel like this total is a little bit too low. Just with Memphis, you've always got a shot at the over because they are a team that they just play with so many possessions that it does make it very much a case in which if both teams are not turning the ball over a lot, you're going to get a high-scoring game, and I do think that you're going to be able to get that here because this is a Wichita State team that they don't necessarily do a great job of being able to generate swipes. They do play... Good man-to-man defense, but not necessarily a team that is going to be uh, executing the main bugaboo of this Memphis team, which is just turning the ball over in general. Did why I'm setting Memphis as a nine-point favorite, so I'm actually going to be one to lay here with Memphis at an eight-and-a-half. Even at a nine, it would probably be my max buy point but I'd be a little bit more inclined to take Wichita State, but it's very, very much... Or roll the dice if I'm able to get an eight and a half here with Memphis, I would much rather have that than trying to mess around with a nine. When it comes to the total, they might be setting it at a 143. So here I ride right around a 140 and a half. Going to be taking a look at the over, and I'm going to be one to eight here with Memphis. When it comes to the other interesting game out there in the American, outside of the SMU versus Houston game, because obviously that is going to be the big one. I do think that you've got some solid. Betting opportunity here with the underdog. That would be 837, 838. You've got Dulane, and they're going to be hitting the red face off against Temple. Temple is finding themselves as a favorite in this spot of anywhere between two and a half and three points. Jones, anywhere between 136 and and 137. And And when it comes to Temple, they've been able to do a solid job on defense. They rank at the top 85 with the yards points allowed on a per possession basis. But this is just a backcourt that is not putting the ball in the basket. Ever since Khalif Battle, Wound up going out of the fold, and he did so after about seven to eight games. He was averaging over 20 points per contest. He was really doing a great job for this bunch. They have been rocky, to say the least. With regards to their three-point shooting, they shoot as a collective about 30.5% from three-point range. That is in the bottom 100 in all of college basketball. As a matter of fact, it is 326. And for Temple, it's a team that they do shoot actually worse at home than on the road. They shoot as a collective 27.7% from three-point range at home, and it's in the bottom 15 at all of college basketball. They're on par with teams like Alcorn State, SIU, Edwardsville, and IUPUI. Meanwhile, you've got a Tulane team that they do a relatively solid job of being able to put the ball in the basket from distance. You've got the Jalens. Jalen Cook, Jalen Forbes, these two guys combined to be able to give you about 35 points per game. Both of these guys shoot in the high 30s from three-point range, and they both do a gener- good job of being able to generate a couple turnovers as well. It's a two-lane team that they generate right around eight steals per contest, and for two-lane, they shoot as a collective, right around 37.6% from three-point range. That is in the top 30 in all of college basketball. They've also been able to get a little bit of rebounding out of Kevin Cross. So they will give you right around five and a half points per game, and that's going to be important because... This is a Temple team in which they've been able to take the rebound by committee sort of approach. Nick Jordian will give you five and a half rebounds for him. Sage Schulbert has become a little bit of an afterthought for the team, but whenever he's gotten minutes, he's been able to give you a couple boards for this team. Ty Strickland, who has been dealing with some injuries, he transferred from Wisconsin. He's been able to give you right around eight and a half points per contest, but when it comes down to it, other than Damian Dunn. Been able to get her down with right around 15 and a half points per game. You have not been able to get a lot of offense out of this team. Tulane is a team that they don't necessarily get a lot of ancillary pieces stepping up. Guys like an R.J. McGee giving you only right around 4 to 5 points per game. You do need to get a little bit more out of them, but at the same time, I just take a look at the simple team, and you've got Jeremiah Williams and Jaleel White being some of your top performers. White is able to give you five and a half rebounds per game, but it's not giving you 5 or fewer each of the last three games, that is a big giant issue. I think that Temple just with the way that they're unable to shoot threes and with the way that Dulane has been able to do a good job of being able to flow their offense. Uh, that Dulane is gonna be able to get the job done. You may recall the first time around that these two teams wound up playing. It was a interesting game in which Dulane wound up being able to pull it out by kind of ninety-two to eighty-three. That is a game that did wind up going to overtime, and Dulane wanted scoring twenty-one points in overtime. So I wound up completely torpedoing the total. You do have a Temple team that they rank outside the top 200 with regards to possessions per game. I do think that things are going to be a little bit more bottled up in this game. You wind up having Temple in that game. shoot 14 of 39 from three-point range, and Tulane went 9 of 18. I think both of the are going to be a little bit more chilly in this game. I also don't think that Tulane is going to be going 25 of 32 at the charity strike, but I do think that they're going to be able to duplicate game number one's result and be able to get the all right one. set to Set to lane as a two-point favorite, so I'm going to be willing to take them as a money-line underdog to go along with the total under, which I am up saying at a 134.5. I do like the simple defense. I do think that they're going to be able to play a little bit more controlled game in this one. Something that is typically controlled is games involving UNC Greensboro. How about if we go 839, 840 on the betting board as out there in the SoCon, you've got UNC Greensboro finding themselves a four to four-and-a-half point favorite against East Tennessee State. Your drawings game there between 130 and a half and 131. Very intriguing spot as you've got a pair of teams that rank in the bottom 75 with regards to possessions per game. UNC Greensboro has been able to hang their hat on defense. They're a middle of the road team with that regard. East Tennessee State they rank in the bottom 35 with regards points allowed on a per possession basis. So that no doubt is a little bit of an issue. But when it comes to East Tennessee State, they do a good job out there in the backcourt. I do like what you've been able to get out of Jordan King. He's been able to do a good job of being able to pair up with David Sloan. Who have both been able to give you a combined about 27 points per game. Sloan gives you a little bit over five assists per contest. Both of these gentlemen shoot at minimum 37.5% from three-point range. Then you got Ladarius and Triber, The brothers are able to give you right around 25 points, 12 rebounds per contest. And it's a ETSU team that they shoot about 30 or they shoot about 73.5% at the free throw. Then you take a look at the flip side for Greensboro, and you really don't get a lot outside of Demonte Buckingham. Buckingham has been terrific. It will give you right around 12 and a half points per contest. Shoots over 40% from three point range. He's been leading the team in rebounds. And we'll give you three assists per contest. The Langley brothers, Keyshawn, and Kobe Langley. Maybe they will step up a little bit more, be able to give this team a little bit more pop. But at the same time, those turnovers, I think, are going to be very costly. It's a Greensboro team that's doing a little bit of a better job of being able to force some turnovers of their own. But when you wind up breaking. 346th in the country with regards to possessions per game. You can't turn the ball over north of 14 times for contest. With regards to turnovers on a per possession basis, this is a UNC Greensboro team that is one of the worst ones out there in all of college basketball. They're clocking in 287th. And it's a team that they've seen a little bit of drop off with regards to rebounding as well. Muhammad Abdul Salam, a guy that was able to give you right around. Six and a half, seven rebounds for him last season. He has seen a dip in that tomorrow around four and a half. So I am going to be willing to side with ETSU in this one. Set UNC Greensboro as a two and a half point favorite. So going to be taking the points. Got this all at one thirty and a half. So looking at it under here. Coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at some conference tournament futures right here on v Esports Bank Network. hoops peterson himself on vsin the sports betting network get everything you need to bet the madness this year with 24 7 streaming daily best bet emails and our tournament betting guide including advice data and strategy for only 19 dollars whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread our team is here and ready to get you set for every single game in every single round of the Big Dance. Get analysis from our experts, including, hey, myself, Craig here said, on every single key team, conference, player to watch, the favorites, the potential Cinderella's. We've got it all. Sign up today, and you'll be able to get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through April 5th, and that is for only $19 at VSIN.com. Slash Madness says it is the Greg Peterson experience right here on VCN, the Sports Bank Network. And speaking of March Madness, the mayhem before the madness happens with conference tournaments. And we're seeing a lot of odds to be able to win these conference tournaments coming about right now. DraftKings has been poaching up quite a few of these. And we're going to see some conference tournaments getting set to go here in the next few days. A lot of the low slash mid-majors are going to be taking the stage. And then next week you're really going to be seeing the power five conferences, but how about if we start out by taking a look at right now the odds be able to win the Big Ten conference? And I do think that it is really interesting to take a look at this one because you do have Purdue clocking in at minus 180. Wisconsin is right now the number one overall team. With regards to the big 10 regular season standings, they're at plus 150, And then from there, you've got apparently Ohio state and Illinois at 50 to one. Now this is odds to be able to win the conference regular season, not the tournament. So I was about to be like, Oh boy, 50 to one for Ohio state to be able to win the conference tournament. I should be really firing in on that, but this is just to be able to win the regular season. And I mean, Wisconsin's right now a game up at the big 10. If you're not taking plus one fifty here, you're gonna be losing out on a little bit of value because I mean, it certainly is a case in which I do think that Wisconsin should be able to get the job done. They should be able to win the conference regular season. Now, with that said, you take a look at this Wisconsin team, and they're a bunch that they've just got really good resolve. And I think a big reason why Wisconsin is presenting you with a lot of value is that they just do the little things well. You wind up seeing them go to the rack, win against Rutgers, a very difficult place to play. I mean, you take a look at the teams up there on that screen. Illinois, Ohio State, Purdue, they all lost at the rack. So, I mean, that tells you just how good this Wisconsin team is. And the big kicker for this team is that they've got to win their game against Purdue. Purdue versus Wisconsin is going to be happening on March 1st. If Wisconsin wins that game, they pretty much win the big time. I mean, there's no other way around it now. You are going to be having Ohio State in action on Sunday. We're going to be hitting that game a little bit later on here in the show to be able to wrap things up. But with Wisconsin, if they win against Purdue, they wind up winning the Big Ten. I do think that they should be able to get the job done in that one. Now, when it comes to updated odds, you wind up seeing this happen after the loss that Purdue wound up suffering. Purdue's now clocking in more on a minus 130. But even so, you've got Wisconsin at even money despite the fact that they are despite the fact that you've right now got a situation where they're up in the conference. What you're right now taking here with Wisconsin is pretty much a money line it, that they're going to be able to win against Purdue because if Wisconsin wins that game, they pretty much have it in the bag. Ohio state, Illinois, I guess there's a way that they could wind up winning the big 10 conference, but I don't want to be betting on that. So the only way I'm able to take a look at that is with Wisconsin in this spot. And then you've got odds to be able to win the Southeastern Conference SEC regular season. Right now, you've got Auburn finding themselves minus 500. From there, you got a couple long shots. Tennessee is plus 500. You've got Arkansas at 10-1. to And then Kentucky, they are way back. You are now finding them after they wind up entering into the day at plus 900. They are now down to 50-1 to because they did wind up taking that loss to Arkansas. So there's a little bit of updated numbers there. But when it comes to this one, I just can't trust in Auburn being this big of a favorite because of the way that they have been playing on the road. This is an Auburn team that has been absolutely awesome when they've been in the state of Alabama, when they travel away from the state of Alabama, bad things wind up happening. And as it stands right now, Auburn is the leader in the clubhouse in the sec. They're 13 and three from there. You got Arkansas, Kentucky and Tennessee all at 12 and four. So pretty much anyone else, they're all out of the mix for this one, but take a look at Auburn's last two games. On the road at Mississippi State and then at home against South Carolina. I recognize that South Carolina was able to run off a couple wins. This is not a good South Carolina team. They turn the ball over 15 times per game. They shoot 66% of the free line. They're not necessarily stout on defense. They don't have a lot of outside shooting. So, I mean, they should be able to get the job done there and win that game in convincing fashion. The only thing that should hold you up with Auburn here is Do they wind up being able to get the job done against Mississippi State? I think that they should. I think that Auburn should be able to get the win here. And you take a look at the losses for Auburn. It's not like they've been cataclysmically bad. You lose by four at Budwall Arena. You lose by one to Florida. You lose by five to Tennessee. It's not like they're getting just completely bludgeoned. It's not like they're just showing a bunch of warning signs that this is a terrible team. With Auburn, they're a team that they do have a little bit of a deficiency when it comes to three-point shooting. They're a team that they only shoot about 32.5% from distance, but you're always going to be able to hang in a game when you do have a guy like a Walker Kessler that's able to give you more than four blocks per contest. They're number one in the country with regards to blocks on a per-possession basis. And for Auburn, a little bit uncharacteristic of them, how well they're playing on defense. They're in the top 15 in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. I do think that Auburn should be able to get the job done. Don't know if I would be wanting to lay 5-1 to one here on them. This is would be a case in which, if anything, you might as well just take the money line when they wind up hitting the road against Mississippi State because if they wind up winning that game, they at minimum wind up getting a share of the conference crown. Then from there, it's all about the teams that they wind up tying with. They did wind up losing to Arkansas and Tennessee on the road. So that is something that does need to be factored in a little bit. But it's a case in which I would just be looking at Auburn taking the money line there against Mississippi State if you think that they're going to be able to get the job done and don't even mess around with these odds to be able to win the SEC. And then when it comes to a little bit more of conference tournament futures as well, because I wanted mentioning it a little bit earlier, the fact that we are going to be getting some of those that are going to be going down, it's really interesting because you've got odds to be able to win the Mountain West right now with Boise State finding themselves at minus 275. That was one. That was able to come through for you. They were able to get the job done against UNLV. So I think that you've got yourself some good fascination over there. And when it comes to just being able to gauge some of these conference tournaments, you wound up seeing it a lot last season. In that, a lot of these conference tournaments involve big giant upsets. You wound up having Georgetown be able to go on the road. They were able to you upset them at MSG, I should say. They were able to go in there. They were able to win three straight games. I re- still remember I wanted coming on this very network, and I said, you know what? There is a little bit of value with Oregon State at 100 to one. I pretty much called out a specific, a specific place that was putting up numbers, saying that they hadn't watched a Pac-12 game in literally a month because Arizona State in those odds was listed at 25 to one, and then you wanted of having Oregon State at 100 to one, who they were actually playing some until we saw a basketball. In. You do want to be taking a little bit more at recent form when it comes to these conference tournaments. You're seeing a team like in Arkansas getting very hot. I think that they're going to have a lot of value when it comes to odds to be able to win the SEC tournament because they might be a little bit misappropriately priced because they just run through the odds for them to be able to win the SEC. I mean, Should they be as far behind as they are to Tennessee because they've got the same record? I certainly don't think so. With Kentucky, I think that's just a situation which... The head to head losses, those who might up catching up with them a little bit. So that's the issue with them because they would have to have Auburn pretty much lose out, which is why you're finding them clocking in at 50 to one. But when it comes to conference tournaments as well, what you're also able to do, and I always recommend this with regards to futures, you're able to do what's called a little bit of a rollover. Let's say that you think that, for instance, Auburn is going to be able to win the SEC tournament rather than taking a future on them, rather than being like, you know what, we're going to take like. Plus 200, or whatever the price winds up being, on them to be able to win the SEC tournament. If you're only getting two to one, you're probably getting shorted here, but that's beside the point. Rather than taking that, instead, with regards to round number one for Auburn, you wind up putting one unit on the money line, the same unit that you just fire in on their future. You wind up putting it on Auburn and you just keep rolling it over and rolling it over until either A, they wind up winning the SEC tournament. Or B, you find a spot that that you don't like with them. And with the rollover as well, for one, you typically actually get a little bit of better payout rather than with just a future. And for two, you get yourself added protection. I mean, we don't need to go too far with Auburn. If you wanted betting on them to be able to win the NCAA tournament in 2019, you're probably wishing you would have done the rollover because Chuma Okeke, their top scorer, wound up getting ruled out he winds up suffering that injury. So he was unavailable in the final four. Like Auburn still very nearly won that game, but I mean, you want to be able to give yourself that added protection. So for those of you guys that are going to be looking at futures when it comes to conference tournaments, I do think that looking at a rollover Rather than your traditional futures is a very good way of being able to go about it. You give yourself a chance to be able to make more money. And at the same time, you give yourself some added protection. I don't need any protection with regards to this next segment, because we're diving into the college basketball betting board for this Sunday. I think that we've got a lot of winners on the board, and I'm going to try to help you guys unearth those next right here on the Greg Peterson experience on VESA the sports Bank Network. experiencing hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the sports betting network. Get an early start on your college hoops tournament betting with VSN's full court bracket betting coverage starting Sunday, March 13th. We've got 6 hours of free video streaming on vsn.com. Including full bracket reveal and opening lines for every single game. The Visan Hoops experts, including myself, Craig Gibbs e. Pearson, will be analyzing every single game and discussing with bookmakers making the lines. feel find you the best early value. Don't wait for the lines move. Start your bracket and round one tournament betting with Visans College Hoops experts on Sunday, March 13th. It all begins at 6 p.m. Eastern that day for free on beaston.com As it is a Greg Peterson experience with myself, Greg Peterson, right through a little bit of what we're going to be expecting with regards to these conference tournaments, because as we know, before the madness, we have the mayhem of conference tournaments and some of those are going to be getting started this week. You're going to be seeing a lot of more of those mid majors, like for example, the Ryzen league, You're going to be seeing like the Northeastern conference, things like that really getting cooking and then, in the following weeks, about eight, nine days from now, then you really see the power conferences be able to come to the forefront. And as I always say on the show, it doesn't matter what you're betting on, whether it be the marquee SEC game of the day, whether it be the Super Bowl, or whether it be something like Fairleigh Dickinson versus Central Connecticut State that we're going to be getting on Monday. Money is money. It does not discriminate. No, I will say you're limits on central Connecticut state versus fairly Dickinson probably a little bit lower than the Super Bowl. I'm just saying, but certainly you're going to be getting some great action there. And we've got some great action on this college basketball Sunday as well. In the final segment, going to refresh you the DK nation pick that I'm going to be having out for this, but let's take a look at a little bit of big 10 action. How about if we wind up going with the Ohio state and Maryland game, 841, 842, Maryland, open up a four and a half point underdog, find them anywhere between four and four and a half at home. Your tolerance game is between 142 and 142 and a half. Maryland has been a very feisty team recently. They were able to pull off wins against Nebraska and Penn State. They do wind up losing that game against Indiana, but I Indiana just shot really, really well from the floor. I feel like Maryland was actually able to play a relatively solid game in that one. I just think that you're going to see a little bit of regression here from Malachi Branham and what he's been able to do on the road. He has been terrific for Iowa State, and he certainly is a very good player, but... What he's doing on the road is not sustainable 16 and a half points per game on over 50% three-point shooting. I think that he's a good three-point shooter. I think that he's going to be able to shoot north of 40% from three-point range, but 50 plus percent is asking a whole heck of a lot. And then with Ohio state as well, this is a team that they do a relatively solid job down low. You've got Zed Key who's able to give you right around five boards per game. EJ Liddell. One of the most immovable objects in all of college basketball. 19 and a half points, seven boards, two and a half blocks per contest. And that's able to pop threes at nearly a 40% clip. But with this Maryland team, they've actually been able to do a relatively solid job of be able to hold up at the point of attack themselves. Kudus Wahab along Dante Scott are able to combine to give you 12 rebounds per game. Fats Russell, Eric Ayala. Both of these guys out there in the backcourt I combined 28 and half points per game, and it's a Maryland team that they do a good job of not hurting themselves. They shoot right around 75% overall at the free-throw line. At home, that balloon's a little bit over 80% at the charity stripe, and they're going to be going up against an Ohio State team that, with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis, they rank right around 180th. It's not necessarily a sound defensive team with Ohio State as well. It's a team that, really, outside of what you've been able to get out of Malachi Branham, been a little bit of a hit or miss three-point shooting team they've been dealing with injuries to guys like kyle young young is not necessarily looked the same as he did last season now with ohio State, they do shoot right around as collective 37.7 percent from three-point range They don't necessarily pop a lot of threes but maybe it'll hit quite a few of them maryland on the other end and it's been a little bit of a rough go of it for them from three to our 29th in the country and i do think that they're going to see positive regression at home because this is a team in maryland that they shoot. from three-point range on the road, and 29.2% at home. Something's not quite adding up there. I do think that they're going to be able to get a little bit more there. And with regards to the defense of this Maryland team, it certainly has been a little bit touch and go for them. Neither of these teams do a very good job whatsoever at being able to generate turnovers. But ever since Sandy Manning took over for Mark Dershon, they've actually done a little bit more pickpocketing to their credit. It's a Maryland team that the think points allowed on a possession basis. They do rank in the bottom half of all of college basketball, but when they are at home, they're giving up right around 8.6 points, fewer per 100 than they are on the road, and I do think that that's going to be able to keep them alive in this game. I don't think that Maryland is going to be able to pull off the outright win, but I do think that you've got yourself a feisty underdog, set this line at 2.5, and, and you've got a pair of teams in Ohio State and Maryland that, they actually play relatively slowly. Ohio State with regards to possessions per game. They're 297th in all of college basketball. Maryland is a team that they're clocking in more in the neighborhood of about 200th. They've actually been playing a little bit faster ever since Danny Manning wound up taking over, but still a little bit more of a controlled team. So I'm looking at the total under, I want to say my total more around a 136.5, and, and I'm going to be willing to take the points here with Maryland. How about if we wind up going to Indiana versus Minnesota? 847, 848 on the betting board. The state with the smallest strengths in the union, Minnesota, is catching anywhere between two and a half and three points. You're telling this game 131 and a half. And when it comes to Minnesota, I want to say them as a three and a half point underdog. This is a Minnesota team that they just don't have a lot of depth. They've right now have been utilizing a six-man rotation. So what you've noticed with a lot of Minnesota games is that they wind up coming out and give you a really good first half. And then in the second half, they just wind up cratering. I think that that could be the case once again here because you've got an Indiana front court that involves Trace Jackson-Davis along with Ray Thompson. They combined to be able to give you right around 16 boards per game. Trace Jackson-Davis has been able to give you 2.5 blocks, 18 points per contest. So I think that that's going to be very difficult for this bunch in Minnesota to be able to match up with. They do have Eric Curry, Minnesota does, who's been able to give you right around 5.8 boards per game. And you do have some good sharp shooters for this team. Peyton Willis along with EJ Stevens have been able to combine to shoot Darn near 40% from three-point range. You've been able to have Stevens give you right around 10.5 points per game. Willis is able to give you more like 16 and a half points per game. And Jameson Battle, he's been able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range, six at board, 16.5 points per game. But with Indiana, the key for this team is just being able to get anything out of the backcourt. And by anything, I mean literally anything out of the backcourt because I mean, it's a team that they've got Xavier Johnson giving you four and a half assists per game, but 2.6 turnovers per contest. Just night in and night out. You take a look at them and it's just not necessarily great what you've been able to get out of them. You take a look at the first time these two teams met up. Indiana was able to get the job done by kind of 73 to 60 in that contest. Indiana did wind up going 9-24 from three-point range overall for the year. They shoot right around 34-35% from three. Problem is they also shoot sub-70% at the free line in that contest. They did wind up going 10-15 at the charity stripe. But with Indiana... They wound up playing a game which involved no turnovers whatsoever. They had six of their own. Minnesota had five. And that really has been interesting with Minnesota games. They don't turn the ball over at all. They turn the ball over right around nine and a half times for contest. They don't force any turnovers either. So I do think that it's going to be really intriguing to see what you wind up getting out there. But I do think that with Indiana, having someone like a Parker Stewart who's able to shoot north of 40% from three-point range, Getting a little bit more recently out uh, of Jamar Bates as well. A guy that I feel like has some upside. Doesn't necessarily shoot it well from three, but just makes winning plays at Indiana. Going to be able to get the job done. I think that Minnesota is just going to get plowed in the glass. This is a Minnesota team that lost a rebound battle the first time around. 39-34. to 34. I think that's going to be a little bit worse this time around. I think that Indiana wins from within. I'm going to lay the points here with Indiana. Set them as a 3.5 point favorite. They might make total total and 2.5 I think it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game, but with neither of these teams forcing a lot of turnovers, you're going to expect a lot of clean possessions, and I do think that Indiana is going to be able to get their open looks from three-point range, especially in the second half. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over, and I'm looking to lay it here with Indiana. Other game out there in the Big Ten, that involves Penn State and Nebraska. How about if we go 849-850 on the betting board? Penn State is finding themselves... As a double-digit home favorite, you're finding them anywhere between 10.5 and 11-point favorites. And all, game is anywhere between 137, seeing as high as 138. With Nebraska, this team is literally playing at the quickest tempo of any team in true row games at all of college basketball. Number one in terms of possessions per game. Then you've got a Penn State punch that they rank in the bottom 15 in all of college basketball with regards to possessions per game. It becomes a situation of do you trust in the slow team to be able to slow things down? or the fast team to be able to get their tempo. You notice it with Penn state, because they've already p- played against Iowa twice, both of their games against Iowa went comfortably under the total, but Nebraska is a completely different animal because Iowa, though the defense is not great. They have a morsel of defense. Nebraska is just completely given up on defense this year. I mean, you just take a look at them and they're giving up 80 plus on the regular. It's been really interesting to take a look at this team because Fred Hoiberg just has not been able to find the right blend. And with that said, I'm going to be taking the points with Nebraska here because you do have a bunch that's been able to get more out of Derek Walker, six plus rebounds in each of the last seven games. Now, John Rar on the flip side for Penn State, he's able to give you right around 10 and a half board spring. You take a look at Jalen Pickett and he's been doing a solid job of being able to run the offense for Penn State, right around 12 points, four boards, four assists. Not necessarily a great three-point shooter, but he's able to do an okay job for three-point range. Penn State, as a collective, they're in the bottom half of all of college basketball with regards to three-point shooting percentage, but... Take a look at the defense State team. Yeah, they do a great job of being able to slow down games. It doesn't necessarily mean that they've got the world's greatest defense. They rank 171st in the country. When the guards points allowed on a per-possession basis, you do have a Nebraska team that has been able to get a little bit more out of Bryce McGowan. half points, 6.5 boards per game. I do think that Nebraska is going to be able to hit a couple threes. They only hit, as a collective, 31.5%. From three for the season, but I'm willing to take the points here with Nebraska. Semi-total 142 and a half. I think that you're gonna get a little bit more of Nebraska's face in this one. So looking over and looking at taking the points with Nebraska in the final segment, hitting up on my DK Nation here, nation pick for college basketball on this Sunday. That is up next, right here on V Esports Bank Network. Himself on V-CIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSEN.com to check out the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every single game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets or where the money does not match up with the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline over, under, and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way that Beeson is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. So check out today's betting splits for every single game now at Beaston.com as it is the final segment of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on the Sports Betting Network. And we've got a great day of college basketball coming up this Sunday. Really a primer to what we're going to be getting all throughout the next few weeks. Going to be a lot of conference tournament action starting up on Monday, and then we wind up getting the madness and it's just the best time of year in general for college basketball. Makes me a little bit sad because I do love these college basketball Saturdays in which we've got hundred million, billion games. You get everything from things like Auburn versus Arkansas, or I should say more like Auburn versus Tennessee, because that wound up being a matchup a few weeks ago, all the way down to things like me X, knockers and games between Mississippi Valley state and Arkansas pine bluff. So I absolutely love everything that we wind up getting out there, and got to love what we're getting for this college basketball Sunday, as well as the game that I wrote up for DK Nation is out there in the Big Ten. 823, 824 on the betting board. Michigan is going to be playing us, Illinois. Illinois, most places, is a pick You're right now finding them at DraftKings, at one point favorite. On this game it is 141 to 141.5. And with Illinois, I did wind up making them a three-point favorite in this spot. So I'm going to be willing to lay it with Illinois. This is a spot in which I do wind up writing this up for DK Nation with regards to the spread. And when it comes to this Illinois team, they do have a pair of guys that are able to shoot it very well from three-point range. Jacob Granderson, coupled with coupled with what you've been able to get out of Trent Frazier, who's been able to do a good job of throwing out the ball. He's able to give you four assists per contest with... Gray Anderson, coupled with also Alphonso Plummer. Both of these guys combine for about 26 points per game. They both shoot between 41 and 42% from three-point range. And you've also had both of these guys shoot it relatively solidly at the free line, especially Plummer, who's able to shoot north of 85% at the charity stripe. You take a look at this Michigan team, and they just have had a tough time on defense in general. They rank 196th in the country with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis. And you'd think with Hunter Dickinson out there that this would be a team that would be doing a relatively solid job of holding things down down low, but that's not been the case. With regards to points allowed on two-point shooting percentage, it has been relatively tough. Opponents are shooting over 50% from two on them. That is 222nd in all of college basketball. You've got it yourself an Illinois team that is able to be relatively consistent home to road. They're obviously a little bit better at home, for Michigan. That is the case as well, and I do think that a key for use for Michigan is going to be Caleb Houston. Houston is a guy that has been shooting 46.5% from three-point range at home, sub-30% on the road, but I don't know if those metrics are going to be able to hold up. You've got an Illinois team that they do a relatively solid job at being able to guard the three-point arc, and when it comes to Michigan, it has been a squad that has been relatively solid just with regards to their offense in general in terms of points scored on a per-possession basis. This is a team that they rank right around 57th, but What I think is going to be intriguing is Michigan trying to form themselves, maybe a little bit of a new identity under Phil Martelli. I will say Phil Martelli, probably a little bit of an X grade, a little bit of an upgrade in terms of X's and O's as compared to what you've been able to get out of Juwan Howard. Juwan Howard, an absolutely amazing recruiter, a guy that does a great job of being able to just get a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement around the program. But Phil Martelli is a guy that wanted winning north of 425 games, why was at St. Joe's, was able to get them to that undefeated regular season back when they had Jameer Nelson and company over there. So he knows what the heck he's doing as a coach. May not necessarily be flashy, and does a good job of being able to adapt to the guys that he's got on the roster. You notice while he was at St. Joe's, he had some fast teams, he had some slow teams. I do think that Michigan is going to be staying at the tempo that they've got, and that tempo is in the bottom runner with yards possessions per game. I did think that with Illinois, they are going to be able to win the battle down low against Hunter Dickinson. Now, Dickinson doesn't give you 18.7 boards, and he's been able to shoot in the high 30s from 3-point range, but Coburn, just an immovable force down low. 21.5 points, 10.5 rebounds per game. You've been able to have a lot of guys be able to mix and match, sort of know their role with regards to this Illinois team as well. I mentioned Trent Frazier a little bit earlier. He's really been able to do a good job of being able to dole out the ball for this team and with Michigan, you don't necessarily have those guys. I do like what you've been able to get out of Devontae Jones towards the back half of the season. He's a guy that has been taking over that Mike Smith role on coming in from Coastal Carolina. and Has been asked to be a sort of point guard that just does a little bit of everything. And he's been able to do so. With Jones, 9.5 points, 5 boards, 4.5 assists per contest. Guy that shoots right around 32-ish percent from three-point range. So he's been able to do a rock-solid job there. And with this Michigan team, and been able to do a relatively okay job on the glass with regards to rebound rate. They are one of the top teams out there in the Big Ten, but Illinois does a great job as well of being able to hit the glass. They rank at the top 25 with regards to overall rebound rate, so I do think that Illinois is going to be able to win the battle on the glass. I think that they're going to be able to win the game. I did wind up making my DK Nation pick Illinois as a pickup slash a one-point favorite as I wanted up setting my line at three, and with regards to total, I did wind up setting mine at a 139. I think that you wind up getting a late game, a little bit of late game fouling. But that said, this is a Michigan team that they play at a relatively slow and controlled tempo. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm going to be willing to take Illinois. Slash, I'm going to take Illinois as a pick 'em, slash a one point favorite. Other games of interest out there on this college basketball Sunday. We've got a lot of games that are out there in the Metro Atlantic. and we got a Monmouth team that they to up beginning the year 11 and 0 against the spread. Has fallen on some tough times. 831, 832 on the bank board. Sienna is finding themselves a very slight home underdog of uh, between one and one and a half points. In your this game, you're going to be getting it anywhere between a 133.5 and a 134. And when it comes to this Monmouth team, I want to send them the underdog in this spot. I want to make Sienna the one and a half point favorite. I'm going to be willing to take them on the money line with Monmouth. You do have a pair of guys out there in the backcourt, and Shafar Reynolds, a couple of George Papas. Both of these guys shoot north of 82% of the free line. They combine to be able to give you 29.5 points per game, but you actually notice that Monmouth has been one of the best teams of the under in all of college basketball, and a big reason why is that it's a team that they shoot about 33.5% per three. They rank right around 200 with regards to possessions per game, so they're not necessarily pushing a lot of tempo. This is a Sienna team that they certainly are not going to be playing at a very fast rate either. It's a Sienna team that they rank outside the top 250 with regards to possessions per game. It's been a little bit tough for them on the glass, they rank right around 276th in all of college basketball with regards to rebound rate. You've got a Monmouth team that they do a little bit of better job on the glass. And a big reason why is because you've had Walker Miller being able to give you 14 points, six boards per game. But past that, Nikhil Ruti has been able to give you a little bit over seven boards per game. Been able to supply six plus rebounds in now eight of the team's last nine games. So has been able to do a relatively solid job there. And it's a Monmouth team that they do a relatively solid job of being able to protect the ball. Nothing great, nothing terrible. But you've got a guy in Kobe Rogers or the Siena bunch who has really been able to shoot it well from three-point range. Guy that's able to shoot right around 41% from distance is able to give you 13 13.5 points, shoots over 80% at the free throw line. When it comes to the Sienna team, they certainly have had a little bit of a tough time with their offense throughout the entirety of the season, but you take a look, look at the way they've been able to shake it up in general, and it's been good. You've got a Sienna team that has now won six out of their last nine games. Two of those losses came in overtime, and the other game was by two points. So Sienna has been much more competitive since beginning part of the season, one of the more improvement majors that you're find in all of college basketball. And with Monmouth, you've got Marcus McCleary. They will give you 9.5 points, 5 bars per game, but it's not necessarily a team that does have a lot of depth. you got a Monmouth team that they shoot right around 75% at the free line. I do think that that's going to be a little bit of a redeeming quality for this team, but I do think that with Sienna, you're going to have Jackson, Stormo, Anthony Gaines being able to control things down low. These two guys give you a combined 14 rebounds per contest. You know that Siena would love nothing more and to be able to get a big win in this spot. Because I mentioned the recent run that they've been on. One of their losses that they wound up taking earlier in the season. That was to Mammoth. That was a 71-59 to 59 loss in that contest. You just wound up having Sienna go ice cold from three-point range. Three of 20 from distance. Meanwhile, Mammoth they didn't necessarily light the world on fire themselves. Five of 18 from three-point range. But I do think that you've got to see a Siena bunch that is going to be able to do a relatively solid job in this game. Nick Hopkins. Is another guy that is able to give you right around eight points. Actually, while he was at Belmont a few seasons ago, shot 95% at the free line for the entirety of the season. I think that Sienna gets their revenge here. Did one, I'm saying my total out of 135.5. I think we went a little bit too low. Got in mind with the team that they shoot relatively solidly at the free line. I do think that winds up coming down to late game felling. So, going to be taking a look at the over, and I am willing to take Sienna here as a money line underdog. And when it comes to the top team right now out there in the Metro Atlantic, that would be 825, 826 on the betting board as they hit the road and they're going to be facing off against Ryder. Ryder is right now finding themselves as a little bit too big of an underdog in my opinion. Ryder, Ryder is between 8 and 8.5 and points is what they're catching. Total is anywhere team, 141 and 142. And when it comes to Ryder, this is a team that they've really been able to shape up as well. This is a bunch that they wound up running off like five straight wins. And it's been a bunch that... They deserve a little bit more credit for what they've been able to get. Demencio Vaughn, coupled with Dwight Murray Jr., are combined for about 25 points per game. And when it comes to Iona, they don't necessarily do anything flashy on offense. So I'm going to be taking a look at being able to catch the points here with the Rider team that has been playing much better throughout the season. And there's no need for us to play any better here at v because I think that we've got the best in the business. We've got you covered all day long with absolutely tremendous sports betting coverage all throughout right here on the Sports betting Network. Peace out.